0: Welcome to Montrose Bible Church. We're so glad you've chosen to join us as Pastor Matt and other church leaders challenge us with a message from God's Word. This morning we continue our sermon series from the book of Matthew as Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven by way of parable. In the most basic sense, parables are Practical stories that illustrate spiritual truths. And they proved to be a tremendous blessing for those whose eyes and ears were opened to them. Because those illustrations greatly simplified more complex theologies. And yet for those whose eyes were blinded and ears deafened by their continued rejection of Christ, well, the parables would serve as a judgment of sorts. Because they would never fully appreciate their real meaning. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus told his disciples. But to them it has not been granted. Because while seeing, they do not see. While hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Such was the case for the scribes and the Pharisees. Such was the case for the first century crowds. Such is the case for the majority of people living today. No matter how persuasive the argument, how abundant the evidence, how sensible the logic, most men simply will not recognize the truth because their hearts have become decidedly callous to it. That's the sad state of our world. Billions and billions of people stumbling around in the dark. But that does not have to be you. No, if you commit to Christ wholeheartedly, your eyes will be blessed because they will see and your ears because they will hear. And isn't that the hope? That as we press closer and closer to Jesus, his teachings become clearer and clearer, leaving us no doubt as to what he is teaching in these parable stories. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 13 and follow along as we read God's word together, beginning now in verse 44. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea, gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach. They sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. May God bless the reading of his word. As we open our Bibles to this 13th chapter of Matthew, we find a collection of seven different parables. In the first of those teachings, Jesus taught us the parable of the soils, illustrating four varied responses to the gospel message. And clearly, the emphasis there was on the condition of the heart, and that was highly instructive. But for the rest of the chapter, Jesus turns. His focus from the nature of the soil to the nature of the kingdom. In fact, each of the six remaining parables begins with this very same statement The kingdom of heaven may be compared to, or as we read this morning, the kingdom of heaven is like. That phrase introduces each of the remaining stories, and yet, not all of the parables are presented in the same way. When teaching the parable of the tares, the mustard seed, and the leaven, Jesus was speaking to the crowd in general. But then, very subtly, the setting shifts from the crowds on the shoreline to the disciples in the house. That's what we're told in verse 36, that Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, where his disciples asked for further explanation. The perils that we have before us this morning are part of that further explanation that Jesus reserved exclusively for his closest followers. First, Jesus teaches his disciples about the incredible value of the gospel kingdom. We'll take a look back at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, for those of us living in the modern era, the setting for this illustration might seem a bit odd. Why would someone bury their valuables in a field instead of a bank vault? Have these people never heard of a safety deposit box? An FDIC insured account? Well, no, they hadn't. Because those things did not exist when Jesus was citing this example. It turns out, in the middle part of the first century, it was quite common to bury one's treasure in the ground for safe keeping. And yet, for as many people who hid their fortune in the field, the scenario that Jesus describes is extremely rare. That you would be working a property that you don't own and find treasure there that the owner himself was unaware of. That might happen only once in a thousand lifetimes. Which explains the joy in this man's discovery. As this peasant farmer is going about his day, tilling the ground, plowing the field, he stumbles upon something so extraordinary, so valuable, so profound, he is certain it will change his life's trajectory forever. That's what it is to unearth the gospel. It is that unique and life-changing discovery that once apprehended will set you up for all eternity. Oh, but we must apprehend it. But too many people happen upon the good news of salvation and leave it there, never to return. But too many people hear it. And see it and inspect it up close even. But don't recognize or appreciate what they have right there in front of them. And so they never take it into their possession. Others might ascribe some value to the gospel kingdom. But would never sacrifice anything in order to obtain it. I imagine that's where most of the crowds would have fallen who Jesus was just teaching. I mean, he told them about its potential for explosive growth and leaven-like influence. Still, most of them just shrugged their shoulders and walked away. Hell, but not the true disciple of Christ. No way. When he has the opportunity to inherit the riches of God's kingdom, The real follower of Jesus rejoices at the thought, recognizes its worth, and gives up everything that he has to acquire it. And I mean everything all of his possessions, all of his property, all the wealth that he has accumulated. In his entire lifetime, it's worth nothing to him when compared to the value of the gospel kingdom. So, why do so many miss the kingdom? In order to keep those lesser things. And that's what happened to the rich young ruler. He saw something of value in what Jesus was offering but he refused to give all that he had in order to take it. He said to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And after working through various commandments, Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete in this, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, He went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property and was unwilling to part with it in the here and now. He was unwilling to part with it in the here and now because the man of flesh just cannot move himself beyond the temporal. When you set your mind on the things of this earth, riches, they're too alluring. Material things are too appealing. And the sacrifice will never be worth it. But that's why we're told, set our minds on the things above. So you can appraise things according to their eternal value. And I'm convinced that once you perform that right assessment, well, there's nothing you have in your possession that you would be unwilling to give up in order to obtain that inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You can't put a price tag on that, friends. You can't put a price tag on that. Something the man in the field understood. Which is why, upon finding this incredible fortune, he immediately sells all that he has to buy it outright, knowing, without a shadow of a doubt, that this treasure is totally and completely worth it. Are you there? Jesus teaches his disciples about the incredible value of the gospel kingdom and assures them that when you lay hold of it, it will bring an end to all your searching. Take a look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The word again ties this parable directly to the one that was presented previously. And they share the same general theme. That after recognizing the incomparable worth of God's kingdom, the true disciple will readily and joyfully exchange everything else to follow Christ. That teaching remains perfectly consistent from one parable to the next. That as Jesus said in Luke chapter 14... None of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Well, to own the treasure in the field or the pearl beyond price. That's the real connection between these two stories, the supreme worth of the kingdom. But there is a slight nuanced difference between them. See, in the ancient world, merchants, like the one in Jesus' parable, would sell just about Anything they could find in order to make a profit. Like the wholesalers of their day, they would take in this commodity or that one, mark up the price, and make their living. And when they weren't in their booths selling these items, they were roaming the streets, searching anywhere and everywhere for something of worth. We don't get that as much from the man who stumbled upon the hidden treasure. But it's certainly true of this emporos merchant here. He's searching for riches. He's searching for value. He's searching for the latest trend. The next big thing that will make his stand more profitable. And in that way. Now he's. Just like most people today who are themselves searching. Searching for meaning, for purpose, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for popularity, and for worth. But where does that searching end? only when you find the one thing that truly satisfies. And that's what did it for the merchant. Every day he was out there looking for another pearl to peddle until he laid hold of the pearl, which he esteemed so highly. Uh, not only did he sell all that he had in order to procure it, he immediately abandoned all of his other pursuits to focus on this one. Call off the search, friends. I found it. It's so much better. It's so much more meaningful. It's so much more valuable than any of the jewels I've been chasing after in this world. Call off the search, friends. I found it. This one is it that's what happens when you find and lay hold of the gospel kingdom you stop pursuing or putting any stock whatsoever in all of these other things i believe that's what paul was talking about when he told the philippians whatever things were gained to me those things i have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. He tried fulfillment in Judaism, but it wasn't there. Try to find worth in teaching his countrymen, but it never really satisfied. Because in comparison to knowing the Lord Jesus and being part of his kingdom effort, all of those endeavors are worthless. And I would be a fool not to abandon those lesser pursuits in order to pursue this one, Which is so much greater. Yeah? Jesus teaches his disciples about the incredible value of the gospel kingdom. And when you lay hold of it, it will bring an end to all your searching because you realize it's the only possession that matters in eternity. Take a look back at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, once again, the activity that Jesus uses to illustrate his point was familiar to his original audience, especially those who spent some of their time fishing in the Sea of Galilee themselves. You see, the Sea of Galilee was a small but very deep freshwater lake. And there were three basic methods of fishing it. Simplest was by way of line and hook. The technique Peter would have used in Matthew chapter 17 when they needed money to pay the two drachma tax to the Romans. Then there was a one-man net called an amphiblistron, which Peter and Andrew were casting at the time that Jesus called them. Finally is this method the one referred to here, the use of a large dragnet or a saugeni, as the Greeks called it. The end of these nets would have been attached to two boats with floats on the top of the net to keep it up on the surface of the water and weights to keep the bottom deep down in the water. Now, once it was Spread the dragnet covered as much as a half-square mile, collecting fish of all shapes and sizes as it was dragged along toward the shore. But once all the fish were spilled out on the beach there, there was still a lot of work yet to be done. Because of the 20 varieties of fish that are in the Sea of Galilee, only some... Are edible, thus the need to sort them out. In one pile, they would put all the fish that could be taken to market. In the other pile, the fish that had no real use. That fish sorting imagery, which all the men were familiar with, that's what Jesus used to help his disciples understand the separating out that will take place at the time of judgment. Like a net cast across the world, the gospel is pulling everyone along with it toward the final reckoning. And though its distinctions may not be evident in every case now, the day will come when God will make his final separation. So it will be at the end of the age, Jesus said in verse 49. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. As he told the crowds earlier in the parable of the tares, there will be a final separation of the righteous and the wicked, of those who have entered the kingdom of God, And those who have not. And when that happens. When that happens. It won't matter. How many trophies. That you have earned. It won't matter. How much money. Is in your bank account. It won't matter. How many lesser. Pearls. That you are holding. It won't matter the only question on that day will be this. Do you have the treasure of heaven? Do you have the pearl of great price? If so, you'll be sorted to the right side of Christ Jesus with all the blessings that are afforded to the redeemed. If not, you and all the things that you were unwilling to part with on this earth will be thrown into the furnace of fire. A place worse than any of us could possibly imagine. Where each day is worse than the day before it. And so on and so on for an infinite period of time. There are only those two piles, friends. So which one are you? Huh? Jesus teaches his disciples about the incredible value of the gospel kingdom. But when you lay hold of it, it will bring an end to all your searching. Because you realize it's the only possession that matters in eternity. And once you understand that, you are responsible then to share that truth with others. Take a look back now at verse 51. After explaining all of these things, Jesus asks an important question of his disciples. He says, have you understood All these things. They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household. Who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now the word understood there comes from the Greek suniemi, which means to put Together. Thus, Jesus' question really is, have you rightly put all of these things together? Not just one isolated teaching or another. Are you able to see how it all works in the kingdom of God? The disciples answer in the affirmative. Yes, I think so. Now, of course, from what they later said and did, we know their understanding here was far from complete. But Jesus accepted their response as genuine just the same. Otherwise, he would not have called them scribes nor charged them with responsibility as he did in verse 52. You see, a scribe is one who is devoted to understanding and interpreting hard sayings like these parables. And since Jesus' disciples have been able to put them all together, they now stand as the scribes of the gospel kingdom who will one day act as the heads of this brand new household. In the ancient Near East, the head of a household was responsible for the welfare of the entire family unit. And a major part of his duty was to maintain enough supplies in his storehouse to provide for everyone under his care. Well, he didn't stockpile those things for himself to keep them, mind you. He stockpiled those things to use them, to deliver them, to spread them around to those who didn't have what he possessed. And that's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do with the wisdom and knowledge they had just received. Bring these treasures out of your storeroom and give them out to others. That's what brings forth means there. It comes from the Greek ekbalo, which carries the idea of casting out, scattering abroad, or distributing widely. And it's a charge for any true disciple of the kingdom to bring out of his own treasury for the benefit of someone else. Are we doing that, friends? Because sometimes we think the things that we have are just for us, including our understanding of the gospel. But that understanding was never meant to be hidden away. It's meant to be given away so that others might find the buried treasure, so that others might hold the great pearl in their Hands. You see? In these final parables, Jesus is teaching us the incredible value of the gospel kingdom. When you lay hold of it, it will bring an end to all your searching because you realize it's the only possession that matters in eternity. And once you understand that, you're responsible to teach that truth to others let's pray together heavenly father we do thank you for the opportunity to consider your word lord that we have a privilege of seeing behind the scenes as your early followers did can learn from you the greatest teacher that there ever has been Lord, I pray that you would help us to appreciate the value of the thing you have given. Lord that we would come to acknowledge and appreciate your infinite worth. Lord that we would cease our striving. Lord that we would stop stockpiling for ourselves and would realize that the only thing that matters only thing that matters is you and your kingdom lord help us to recognize that in your economic system it makes no sense to keep the world and lose our soul we'd be fools to do it lord give us wisdom that we would not make that mistake thank you for this time. Continue to be exalted in our midst, we pray. Amen and Amen. Thank you for joining us. I trust you've been blessed by the study of God's Word. For more information about Montrose Bible Church, visit our website montrosebiblechurch.org